The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Riddlewire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, we're going to be looking at your very popular Ranking the Rookies article, which of course was in the magazine, but you've updated it, right? Uh, updated the version that was in the magazine? Yeah, some pretty significant adjustments, uh, especially towards the top uh, half of the tiers or so. Sounds great, man. And, um, you know, I did have the Labor AL auction last week. And that, as I told you before we recorded uh, last week, it was the plan to get both Jared Kalenic. I guess it's Kelnick, by the way. Um, I'm taking the announcer's word for it on his uh, home run highlight video. Jared Kelnick and Wander Franco. Do you think I went overboard? Do you think I got carried away with those two? Uh, not really, especially given the format it's very stash friendly exactly and so i mean the the kelnick part uh was sort of a no-brainer I'm, I'm surprised and uh happy that you were able to get him without a ton of uh battling 
the Franco one is is obviously a a much more high risk but uncertain proposition. Like I, I think it's incredibly likely that Kelnick's up in the first half. I think Franco maybe he's up this summer. Might not even be up at all this year though. So that one's more kind of a a lottery ticket. But the the Kelnick one, I mean, given the format and and how you, how you can immediately send down your uh, minor league players and activate a reserve, I think it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I felt like the guy I would get in reserves to plug in for Kelnick wouldn't be that much different than the guy I spent two or three dollars on in the end game of an AL only anyway. So I felt it backfilled in the reserves. Um, yeah, I was I wrote about this in my draft review, but it's still crazy looking back that the champions from last year, back to back champions, Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf got Bo Bichette in the reserves. And that, I, I see some parallels with him and Franco just in that people thought he had a chance. Nobody was sure. But boy, did uh, Bobachet move the needle for them after getting the call. But um, James, did your TGFBI draft wrap up? I have one more pick to go. So almost nice. done. Uh, it's kind of been dragging lately, but uh, feel pretty good about my team. I mean, you're not going to be able to put together a flawless team in terms of all 10 categories in a 15-team league, especially one with, with a lot of good players. A uh, little light on my last couple outfield spots. Super I uh, did not get my preferred targets, and instead of really forcing it with, with guys I wasn't really in love with, I ended up having to settle for Jesus Aguilar as my Ooh. starting first baseman. Uh, certainly far from ideal, but I think I'm I'm pretty loaded in the, the non-first uh, base uh, and outfield, like, Outfield four, outfield five spots, Stash and Dylan Carlson in my TGFBI league. So uh, really like my pitching, really like uh, the rest of my hitting. That's nice. You are in the league of death again this year, I feel for you. Um, hasn't been quite as hard going <laughs> my league. I'm just kidding. I don't mean to th- bury any of my league mates. But uh, I did get Carlos Santana, who we've also got Howie Kendrick, first base eligible, and I picked up Marwin Gonzalez. How about that? Nice. Um, <laughs> so he's healthy and homered yesterday, so I was like, eh, eligible to a few spots. Got Kalnick, too, so um, I'm buying in. I, we've said this before, but every year, love with BP videos. All right, we're back. I had a little bit of a technical issue, but I was just saying that I stupidly fall in love with BP videos every year, batting practice. But James, your ranking the rookies article, always essential every draft season. I highly recommend you bookmark this page because even those guys in the lower tiers, the guys you're not expecting to make a big impact right away, a lot of them will be up. And when they do get the call, a lot of these guys will be you know, hot additions in fab and certainly names to know over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's great for uh, draft and hold formats. It's also kind of a good precursor for maybe getting ahead of, like, Fabageddon this year. I'm sure there will be another one. And, uh, you know, just guys to target towards the end of end of drafts. Absolutely. So two guys in the top tier, uh, tier one impactful hitters, Gavin Lux and Luis Robert. Are you still Team Lux over Robert, like, even in a vacuum? Yeah, especially in a vacuum. I I think Gavin Lux is probably going to hit around 280, 285, chance to hit close to 300, probably going to walk around 8% of the time. Uh, Luis Robert, I think, is probably going to hit around 245. Uh, 
downside of possibly hitting as low as like 230, might only walk around 4% of the time. So if I just start from there, there has to be a pretty big difference in terms of the counting stats for for Robert to close that gap. And I just don't think there will be one. I, I think he might steal maybe 10 more bases than Lux, but uh, I think the runs and RBI, I mean, neither of these guys profile as people that we should expect to be hitting in the top half of, of their respective lineups this season, at least certainly not anytime early on. Um, you know, I think the the power should be pretty similar. The runs and RBI uh, should be fairly similar. I mean, I, I think you'd rather be where Robert's going to be hitting in his lineup, but when you factor in just how much more I think Lux is going to be on base, I think that kind of equals out. So uh, I I just would prefer to have the guy that's going to be an asset for me in batting average while also chipping in the power and speed than a guy who's going to be uh, a drain or maybe even a significant drain there. Um, and then when you factor in the the price, obviously it's it's not close for me. I would not recommend getting either of these guys everywhere. Like even I, like who am, I'm probably higher on Lux than anyone. I'm only kind of comfortable having him in you know thirty forty percent of my leagues because there's certainly a chance that he hits you know near the bottom of that order all season uh you know they've got a, a ton of good options if he if he struggles at all uh they they could start giving him uh more days off than i'm expecting just because of how deep they are so i, I don't want to have either of these guys in in a ton of my leagues but uh i think i'm on track to probably have lux in about a third of my leagues very nice i i kind of shied away from lux i'm embarrassed to admit after there's some talk about well not assured of anything I thought since they started his service clock last year that it was pretty much a lock that he would be up. But now that Michael Taylor is, uh, or not Michael Taylor, Chris Taylor, is banged up again, now I'm starting to think Lux does break camp. Any questions for you about that? Do you think he's pretty well set? Well, I mean, any, I mean, if he just was terrible for the rest of Cactus League or something, yeah. uh, anything's possible. I just I, – I don't really think that that's – uh, likely enough uh, to factor in at this point. I mean, creating a buying opportunity, really, um, because yeah, Lux was going about what one fifty uh, before, maybe slipping a little bit, just given the uncertainty about his spot on the opening day roster. And Luis Robert, I just want to mention, you know, our buddy Rob Silver tweeted out something about was that Zips projections? I forget what it was, but some of those you know, 80th, 90th percentile outcomes for Robert are insane, but. There is downside there. Um, I'm a little hesitant too to invest in you know top five rounds. I just can't see myself doing it. Tier two mixed league pitchers: Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck. We know he's a little hurt right now. Is that a shoulder for Puck? What? what yeah, it's uh, a mild shoulder strain, ugh. which is uh, enough to really move him down my board. Uh, this article came out before that. Um, you know, he shouldn't just be. On your do not draft list, I mean, just last spring, Mike Soroka was dealing with a shoulder issue in late February, early March, and ended up going around like pick 300 in a lot of drafts, and that ended up being a huge, huge value. I think if Puck starts going uh, like well outside the top 200, I think he he might become a value as well, but uh, not really in the mix for me anywhere near where he was going just with this news. Yeah, and, you know, I think this kind of speaks to having to 
you know, like with a guy like Puck, and you mentioned Soroka last year, you got to look at everybody case by case. You can't paint everything with a broad brush. Like after the Chris Sale thing, it's tempting to say anybody with a spring injury, I'm running away from. I did that last year with Kershaw and got burned. Soroka, too. I actually dropped him in one league. Um, rather not revisit that situation. But uh, you, you got to take the guy's full history into account, the um, kind of the kinetic chain if, if things are – you know, if things are just kind of a one-off or part of a, a trend. Yeah, and you have to factor in price. Mm-hmm. Price is just incredibly important. I mean, I think, um, you know, you and I didn't have any sales shares, obviously, but, I mean, if you were going, like, around pick, I don't even know how late, like, if you were going a lot later than he was going, I, I'm sure I would have ended up with a share or two. But, I mean, it's it's what are you sacrificing to take this distressed asset and if you're sacrificing uh, I mean like guys like uh, Jose Urquidy and Sandy Alcantara were guys that were going right around AJ Puck but now I think that he's probably unlikely to be ready for the start of the season and you know hopefully this is just a a minor thing like they're saying and he can get right Uh, you know he wasn't going to be able to log 180 innings this year anyway so maybe he still gets you the same amount of innings, and, and maybe he just is able to go deeper into starts. He starts maybe later in the year, but uh, no longer a guy that I would want to take kind of in the mid-200s where he was going. Yeah, he was looking pretty good, but, you know, with kind of like we were just talking about with um, the trend, you know, the trend with Puck is a little troubling at this point, a little scared. Uh, you have Mitch Keller in here in this tier as well behind Jose Arquiti and Lazardo and Puck. Have you liked what you've seen from Keller this spring? Like, are you is he climbing or is he kind of just holding holding firm? Uh, I haven't seen a ton. I try to avoid as much spring training footage as I can. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, we were talking about this weird, earlier. But, today. Uh, I really would love it if I never saw anything from spring training. I, I really think it it really distorts. Uh, it turns good opinions into bad opinions, and and can. Uh, increase some some terrible ideas into your mind. It really can't. Yeah. Uh, Just plants all, that little seed in your head and it turns <laughs> into a monster. All I know is, I mean, don't, like, like I'm thinking about taking Jose Alvarado with my next pick in, uh, in TGFBI. I mean, that's that's clearly a terrible idea, but it's it's just based on spring training. And I, wish spring I, training. I wish I could ignore uh, everything I've seen, but... Um, I like that with Cease earlier today, too. It's like... <laughs> Hey, five strike. Hey, how about that? Like it, it's these pitchers, they're they're getting like six outs, and people are losing their minds. It's insane. Like, and the hitters are like way behind the pitchers at like, this point. Wow, right? man, he he's, he sat down all four of those hitters. Like wow, like <laughs> oh boy, wow, this is crazy. Um, Mitch Keller, I think he's just going to be a guy this year where he strikes out a, a decent amount of guys. Uh, probably going to be a, a slight negative in ERA and WHIP. Um, not going to get a ton of wins, but I think the strikeouts are enough that he's certainly a mixed league guy. Uh, just not a guy that I've ended up with anyway. Tier three mixed league hitters headed up by Dylan Carlson, and you were on Carlson well before the spring, uh, but he's he's starting to make a case. Probably not breaking camp, but very much so. Uh, Twelve team even stash at stashing season. Yeah, I got him in the. James Anderson League. I got him in TGFBI at pick uh, 242. And I think he'll be up in late April, 
at the latest. I think that there's a chance he could break camp. Uh, you never know. I mean, maybe they'll work out an extension. That'd be great. Maybe they'll just break camp with him and, and just say, hey, like, I think Fangraphs has them projected at like 82 or 83 wins. They need every single win they can get. And if they look back and say, hey, we were starting Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dexter Fowler for all of April – uh that could certainly be something that costs you a couple games that you needed to get the the wild card spot so i i definitely don't think they're going to mess around with carlson he's basically their like their free agent acquisition like they they didn't do really anything uh to address their their offense this offseason and so carlson is kind of that guy um just a really really good prospect and the best of that bunch where I expect them to kind of get that uh, Chris Bryant, Ronald Cunha treatment. It's a pretty exciting player for the, as a Reds fan, I'm hoping they keep him down. Uh, let that wild card, you know, slip out of their hands early. Uh, Sean Murphy's brought along slowly this spring, but good to see him in action. I think he got into his first game uh, late last week, but good to know that it's, it was indeed that and not, you know, the team misleading us like we saw with the uh, sale. Well, I mean, I think the difference there and why I was never really worried is it like made a lot of sense in the Sean Murphy case, like the sale being unavailable due to pneumonia, like just never really made sense to me. And so I heard you say your BS meter was (laughs) off the charts with that last week. Um, With Sean Murphy, I mean, I would be cool with them giving him as few starts as possible this spring. Certainly they're going to want to get him in there to get him uh, more familiar with a lot of the, the pitchers they have in camp and everything like that. But, uh, you know, they need him. I mean, I think he's just a, a huge part of this team uh, as early as this year because of how good he is on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're certainly going to want to manage his in, or his uh, starts, his workload, so that he can hopefully be catching important games for them in the month of October. But uh, he's a guy where I think that, he like he's not getting overvalued in drafts really at all in in a lot of drafts he's the second murphy to come off the board at the position uh you can get him outside of the top 15 at catcher in in a lot of drafts right now and i and i really like that i have him in so many leagues i don't i don't want to just go into the air with sean murphy on every single one of my teams because of the knee issues Mm -hmm. but i'd happy happily have him on like half my teams and the defense is like elite right yeah i mean there is that injury concern but if healthy, not much playing time risk. The only reason like he wouldn't play like you know 155 games is just because of the previous uh, injury history. Yeah. Uh, next up in tier three, mixed league hitters Austin Hayes of the Orioles, and then Sam Hilliard. Yoshi Sutsuko is kind of my darling right now, late in in drafts. Hilliard's right there too. I'm not trying to plant a flag. I just uh, really like this guy as a as a dart because it's starting to look like he will have a starting spot. And then Garrett Hampson probably moving around. They, he's going to have it over the Tapia Desmond platoon. Um, maybe. Well, <laughs> David so, Dahl get hurt again? Oh, did he? I mean, no, no, he didn't. But I, um, I'm just expecting it. I guess. So I drafted Sam Hilliard in TGFBI. I, I like having him on my teams if I can. I would just recommend going into the year expecting to have Hilliard on your bench for most of April. And I think that that's fine. I mean, NFBC is great because if they have a series at home and they're going to be facing 
two or three righties you just you can plug them in at cores even if only it gets two starts it's fine uh in regular formats though i really think that they're dumb enough to go desmond tapia for a bit <laughs> and uh I, I i honestly think they're gonna go desmond tapia for a little bit and uh we'll we'll see i hope i'm wrong about that uh they obviously owe Desmond money. Tapia's out of options. They're both bad, but I think they're going to let them sort of, you know, really, really prove how bad they are before Hilliard starts getting uh, significant playing time. So I would just be careful about assuming that Hilliard's someone you're going to be able to start in the month of April. Yeah, that's probably a fair warning. I'm optimistic. I actually moved Hilliard atop our depth chart, but it looks like I was overruled. That's fine because it is the Rockies. Uh, what's logical and makes sense doesn't always the move, so... Um, yeah, I did think Hilliard maybe fit in center, and I saw some one of the Rockies beat writers tweet that he has a legitimate ch- chance to make the club and good skill set and cores. Just uh, can see the upside there. Nick Solak also in this tier doesn't sound like that center field experiment's gonna work out. Uh, shocking! <laughs> they really, they really can't make up their mind with that that center field thing. Yeah, they were kind of like resigned in reporting that uh, Danny Santana is our. Primary center fielder, I guess. Uh, but Solak's seen some time at third now. Is that his most likely path? Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a little frustrating because it could take, uh, it could take a while for him to get eligibility, other than the the util eligibility if he's moving around. And I, you know, Todd Frazier, uh, man, when you factor in defense, maybe they're maybe he is better than Solak right now. And uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's Why tough. They put Solak at first. He can't uh, even play that position. Yeah. Let's put him in center. I don't know if he's ever really gotten tried out much at first. Um, I guess it, on, our, yeah. on our depth chart, we have Frazier at first. I mean, I think Solak's going to play five days a week early in the season, just because I think he's one of their five or six best hitters. Um, the upside's just not that high for me, and filling, you know, filling my util spot with a guy that's not Nelson Cruz or Chris Davis or Jordan Alvarez isn't all that appealing to me. So I just haven't really ended up with him anywhere. But I'm sure he'll be mixed league viable for for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, they do have Frazier who could play there at first. Ronald Guzman, Greg Bird. It's like if Frazier was elite defensively, why not go with him at third and Solak at first? But I don't know. Maybe it will be Bird um, earning a spot as a non-roster invitee. We'll see. Nick Madrigal, of course, in this mix. Jake Fraley, Carter Keboom, Evan White, Joe Adele. Um, Madrigal, we've talked about how he kind of needs to run to be you know, worthwhile in both fantasy and real life. Fraley kind of sneaky as a guy who you know with the other outfield options there and Kelnick who we talked about um Fraley is kind of a sneaky guy who who can be had for pretty much free yeah I mentioned I I kind of went uh bargain shopping for my last couple outfield spots I ended up I'm going to go into the year with uh Christian Yelich, Framil Reyes, David Peralta and then Harrison Bader and Jake Fraley as my fourth and fifth outfielders with Carlson and Hilliard on the bench. Uh Fraley I think is a great guy to kind of draft as sort of a, a bridge to someone like Carlson because you know, we'll see how he does in April. Like if Fraley's hitting in April, then the 2020 dream is alive and well. If he's not really hitting, 
by then you you would expect Carlson's probably up, and so you can just kind of cut bait. But mm-hmm. yeah, Fraley does have speed. He's got pop. Um, he was. I didn't realize how much he, he was really dealing with um, some personal tragedy uh, towards the end of last season. Um, so I, I would I would really just completely discount what he did in the majors last year, and it was a tiny sample anyway. Um, but he, you know, he's he's definitely a guy. Not as free as as you'd like him to be in in fifteen teamers, but he's definitely free in in twelve teamers. Interesting, I didn't know that about Fraley. Um, yeah, he did have some struggles, but those are kind of the guys who I like to dig a little bit deeper on and trust your word <laughs> um, when there are some bumps in the road initially at the big league level. Same deal with Carter Keyboom. It looks like they're pretty much locking him in at third, which surprises me, given that they brought in Starlin Castro, brought back as Drupal Cabrera. Uh, is that pretty much a lock for you at this point? Uh, I think he's probably 95% breaking camp with the team. I've heard his third base defense has been pretty shaky this spring. Hmm. So that's you know something to monitor. But I definitely think they want this to work out. I think they want him to be their third baseman. So I, he would have to just be really pretty miserable, I think, over the next few weeks for that to not happen. <laughs> The guy you're investing in for redraft or not really? No, I, I just don't see the type of upside there. Um, he's he's just a solid, he's a solid prospect. I think he'll eventually be like a 265, 270, 25 homer guy, which is which is good. It's you know a guy that you would start. Uh, but as a rookie, I'm not sure he's ready to quite get to that level. Nice. Well, Evan White and Joe Adele round out that tier. But let's get into some of these – uh, pitchers for watch lists, team uh, tier four. Dustin May, of course, Dodgers right-hander, ginger guard. Um, they said that he's not going to break camp in a bullpen role, so that kind of assu- uh, is assumed that he's heading down to start. I did see uh, David Price look pretty shaky against the Reds the other day. The Reds will be making a lot of pitchers look like that. Um, but do you think May over under, say, 18 starts for the Dodgers? Uh, over, but I surprises me a little bit. But I think he might open the year on the IL. That's oh, really? that's why I like he's he's dealing with the side issue, has not started throwing, uh, so he's kind of in that that puck camp. Um, we just don't we don't know when May's going to be ready. We don't know when Brendan McKay's going to be ready. We don't know when AJ Puck's going to be ready. Uh, you know, we don't know when Michael Kopech is going to be up in the big league rotation, like how, how quickly they're going to move him along. So uh, those are four guys where, you know, you love the upside, you love the potential, but you might not be able to get anything out of any of them in April. Well, real quick uh, word from our sponsor, Fantrax, before we move on. Sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool, and if they don't have him, they will add them for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners, Fantrax has you covered there with their treasure product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you 
all 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. James, um, some other names here we've talked a fair amount about. Spencer Howard, Mackenzie Gore, Forrest Whitley, Michael Kopech, Brendan McKay, then Nate Pearson, Clark Schmidt, two guys who seem to be on the rise, and I, I don't know for sure. You can correct me if not, but I assume Schmidt leapt a couple tiers over the past couple weeks. Uh, I It's kind of more complicated than that. I ended up sort of combining a little bit of from a tier that was above here with like it's I don't want to bore people with that. I mean it, <laughs> he's he's a little higher, he's not a lot higher. I, okay. I He was on the TV yesterday looking good again. Yeah. I mean it's just just because a guy's hurt doesn't mean a guy who is two starts at double A is ready for the big leagues. So it's it's good for Schmidt that he, that those guys are hurt. It doesn't mean he's gonna be up like two or three months sooner than he would have been. Um but he, he does look really good. He looks uh, – I mean, that's why I had him high to begin with. I mean, he's a guy that's going to move fast. He's, he looks about ready. Yeah, yeah. Even if he's got limited experience in the high minors. And Pearson, I saw him struck out, uh, strike out Josh Bell on that 100-mile-per-hour pitch, and then Bell tweeted something like, this kind of arm should be in the bigs. They, they won't be able to keep him down long. Um, what about him? Over, under, let's say the same same number, 18 starts. Uh, I'll say over, um, you know, I guess with May and Pearson, I think it would be more likely that they would get under 18 due to injuries than under 18 due to the way their teams optimally want to manage those guys. You know, Mm -hmm. I think both the Blue Jays and the Dodgers expect those guys to give them over 18 starts this year. Uh, so they just have to stay healthy enough to get there. Um, you did take Pearson and TGFBI, by the way. You did? Stash and season, it's, it's almost a problem. See, you got a sickness. See, this is exactly what we were talking about 20 minutes ago. Like, if you hadn't <laughs> been watching those, the stupid spring training highlights, you wouldn't have taken them. Exactly. And now I, again, I took Kelnick, too. So, and really, not the ideal approach to go multiple stashes. It's like, in you, a NFC it's like you know what you're doing wrong. It's like uh, it's like smoking a it. cigarette. It's yeah. like, yeah, I know this is bad for me. I'm just going to do it, though. Yeah, it really is like that. Stash and season. <laughs> um, looking forward to the stake league. I, w- I want to see how many stashes are in that. I think that's going to be a stash crazy league because you can pick up any minor leaguer you want. That'll be pretty crazy. Kyle Wright, uh, we talked about him maybe having the inside track, but are they really going to go with. Sean Newcomb over Kyle Wright in the rotation? Look, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what they're going to do with Sean Newcomb. I don't know what they're going to do with Felix Hernandez. Kyle Wright's better in both of those guys. Kyle Wright is going to prove that he's better in both those guys this spring. And he's a guy who, you know, we, we're talking about like Spencer Howard, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Nate Pearson, Clark Schmidt. Those are guys that still that have not like fully graduated from the minor league ranks like they they still in theory have stuff left to prove on the farm uh kyle wright has nothing left to prove on the farm he was excellent uh, over his final like 15 starts or so at triple a last year uh, i think he's absolutely ready to be a, a big league starter so you know I, with him it might not even be a stash with him you might be getting the braves number four number five starter and he's dirt cheap in drafts right now He's probably another good spring training start away from from not being all that cheap. So, uh, if you can 
get him at the end game right now or, or close to the end game, I think you should jump on it. Yeah, I guess he's not totally out of the mix for a rotation spot, Kyle Wright. But I was surprised to see that Newcomb note that he's a leading candidate for one of the final two. I just thought that ship had sailed. Like, the command, just not not a starter's command. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's not really a ton to be uh, lost, at least, by letting him try to win a spot. I think it builds probably some goodwill with the player, too. I'm sure Sean was not excited about being moved to the bullpen and would like to prove that he can still be a starter you know first name basis I, all <laughs> all i'm gonna say is like again like who's the best of those three pitchers yeah. it's kyle Wright. he'll that's a team that needs to win as many games as they can uh even if he's not in the opening day rotation he'll be in the rotation before the end of april yeah i mean some players you know i'm on a first name basis with i just caught me off guard here and you call him sean uh, Matt Manning on this list, Sixto Sanchez. Uh, you see Sanchez throwing more innings, I'd imagine. Like, how many innings are we looking at realistically with Manning and Mize? Uh, not enough to warrant a, a draft day stash? I would not do a draft day stash with those guys just because I don't think they're going to be up until two, three months into the season. And team is garbage. So yeah. much can go wrong with any pitcher. If if you're like, well, he's not going to be ready till mid June or something. Well, who knows if he's even going to be healthy by mid June? Who knows if he's going to be pitching as well as we expect in mid June? I mean, that's just a long time to wait on any pitcher. Uh, Sanchez is is kind of in that same boat where, I mean, the Marlins are a, a more competent organization at this point than the Tigers, uh, so I don't really have to worry about incompetency uh keeping sanchez out of the big leagues but uh you know i I think all three of those guys i'm sort of expecting to be up june july ish uh so you know certainly watch list guys maybe in nl leagues uh where you can do funky stuff with prospects that, that you can make a case for sanchez but um yeah, just just guys that are too far away to to be in the stash consideration for me. Yeah, watch list but not quite stash ready. Um, there's a third tiger on that list, by the way, Tariq Skubal, and a second Padre in this tier behind Mackenzie Gore. That's Luis Patino. Patino. Okay, yeah, I imagine the accents on there. Luis Patino, right hander. Um, bullpen long term what do you think like is this does he have what it takes to be a starter at the big league level yeah he's definitely got the pitches he's got the command he is an undersized righty who throws really hard and you know has very limited experience in the upper levels of the minors so not a finished product not a guy that i think i'm comfortable saying is certainly going to be a starter but that he won't not be a starter because of his his uh, repertoire or his command. It would only be due to durability. Uh, but like, I'm not sure Gore is a realistic candidate to break camp in that rotation. Just given, as, assuming everyone stays healthy, and Patino certainly further behind Gore. So another guy where it's he's watch list only for me right now. Yeah, you and John on last Saturday's show had Derek Van Riper, formerly of Rotowire on the show talking about his NL labor, and he took Mackenzie Gore in that. In a league that deep, NL only, I could see it, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting him to be up. I just don't see it as a, a situation like last year 
um, with Paddock where they're they feel like he's ready to go right now. I just don't get that sense. And they have more depth now than they did last year. Yeah. Where Paddock, it would have been a clear manipulation of service time to send him down because he was basically their best pitcher in spring training. Uh, Gore might be one of their four or five best pitchers in spring training, but they've got veterans who belong in the rotation and uh, would probably have to pitch themselves out of it to, for Gore to get a shot. Tier five hitters for watch lists, Jared Kelnick leading it off, and then Alex Kirloff got him in reserves too. Oh, good for me. Um, pretty excited about Kirloff, but you know, not a clear path, but he's kind of the the prospect that nobody's really talking about at all for 2020, who I feel like could have a, a decent-sized impact. Yeah, he could be up for two-thirds of the season. And the nice thing is there's just a ton of different guys who could get injured where it would result in Kirilov getting the call because he is capable of playing first base. So if Nelson Cruz gets hurt, Miguel Sano shifts to DH, Kirilov could get the call. If Miguel Sano gets hurt, Kirilov could get the call to play first base. If any other three outfielders get hurt, he could get the call to, to play the outfield. So just a lot of different ways that he could work his way into that mix. Yeah, that's pretty pretty exciting. Though they have Marwin, you know, hanging around. He can move around. But if there's like a long-term injury at a corner. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where it's just the need and his readiness have to line up. Like yeah. it's not – if something happens on April 15th, I don't think we're going to see Kirilov. But if something happens on like June 6th and he's raking at AAA – then it makes a lot of sense. How does Kirilov's readiness compare to Alec Bohm's readiness, Alec Bohm of the Phillies? I think Kirilov is – I mean, there's a reason I've got him about 15 spots higher on my prospect rankings. I just think he's got a higher ceiling. I think he's got a higher floor. Uh, better – like, I mean, I think he's plus hit, plus power, whereas Bohm is maybe um, above average hit, above average game power. It, you know, he – Really did most of his damage last year in, in hitter-friendly environments. Uh, Kirilov has not really had that luxury. And Kirilov, a lot of what he did last year, I think, was injury-related. Uh, towards the end of the season, he really came on strong. Obviously, had a absolutely monster 2018 season. Uh, Kirilov's 2018, way, way, way more impressive than anything Bohm's ever done. So, um I would just have a lot more confidence in Kirilov not only not struggling, but being a legitimately impactful hitter in mixed leagues, whereas I think Bohm, like, maybe per plate appearance basis, he could be kind of like, I don't know, CJ Crone with, like, a little less power or something like that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, he doesn't really excite me for 2020. CJ Crone with a little less power. Yeah, that's not very exciting. Brendan Rogers here, too, you know, still working his way back, but I guess about ready to DH. So at least he's making some progress. Joey Bart in the, on this list. Cabrian Hayes. This team's going to be bad. You, know, you can still extract some fantasy value out of bad teams, but I just don't see the upside for Hayes uh, to really move the needle much in fantasy. Am I wrong there? We'll we'll just see how he does. Uh, he's a guy that has been working a lot this off season uh, to try to do more damage at the plate. I think he's a guy that's on a mission to. Uh, be up and be up early this year. The nice thing about him is he could steal double-digit bases if he gets the call soon enough, which is pretty rare to get out of your third baseman. So, it is, yeah. Uh, that's that's the appeal with him. But you know, I think if he's 
if he really rakes the spring and rakes in April, he'll be up very soon because Colin Moran's terrible. But uh, Hayes might not be up until June or July if he kind of does a repeat of last year. Julio Rodriguez on this list as well. I know he's kind of scuffled with the big league team this spring, so maybe not as ready as Kalnick. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been what like five games, six games, <laughs> ten at bats. Something he's like scuffling. That. Hey, look out! I can put together a narrative. No, I, <laughs> I hear you. I just think there is, you know, I think Kalnick's closer to ready. That's not going on on him. No, I mean that there's. Uh, I think there's probably going to be like a six week gap between when they debut. Uh, could be bigger, maybe could be smaller, but uh, we were talking to Chris Welsh on uh, John and I on the Saturday show, and he saw uh, Rodriguez and Kellenick and said they both looked amazing. So I'm I'm excited. I mean, so I think throw out what I said. I think Rodriguez is going to be up if if he if he does what I expect in the upper levels, he'll be up this summer. Uh, he could certainly do worse than I expect, but. I think the Mariners are very, very open to him being up this year. I don't think they would have sent him to the Arizona Fall League if that wasn't the case. So uh, to me, I I would have probably used – I would have done your move, but I might have done it on the two Mariners guys and huh. not Franco just because I think it's more likely Rodriguez is up this year than Franco. But um, Franco certainly has the, the higher ceiling just because of the uh, potential and stolen bases. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because – could have done that, but I yeah I didn't want to leave myself with two outfield spots that were kind of open. Although it's not really any different than having one outfield in your middle infield um, being black holes until one of those guys comes up. Before we move on, quick word from our friends over at Auto New. Auto New Fantasy Baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate prospects to lead your team into the future or move a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at autonewbaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U baseball.com. Auto New, better fantasy baseball. Our Auto New teams are pretty stacked, James. I'm looking forward to duking it out on that format this year. Moving on to, actually, there are a few more names here I want to touch on. Jared Oliver, we've talked about. Drew Waters and Christian Pache of the Braves. I got to see Pache down in Florida, and he made a crazy leaping catch at the wall. It's pretty incredible. Um, do you think they trade one of these two this year? Like, if you if you had to make a bet that one of these two will be would be traded, would you would you put money on it? Uh. I don't think so. I think they're probably too good at this point, uh, too good of prospects, I think, to be traded. Uh, we rarely, rarely see prospects of this caliber uh, get traded these days. It's kind of a shame. Back in the day, you'd see a couple of top 100 prospects get traded um, every offseason. Uh, I mean, I guess like Jeter Downs got traded. I think he's probably the same caliber of real life prospect as uh, Drew Waters. So you never know. But um, yeah, I would bet against it. I think if that was going to happen, it might have happened in a potential Chris Bryant trade that never really manifested itself. So um, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, you know, speaking of the Braves, 
I, I, you know, I like to try to avoid as much spring training footage as I can, but Austin Riley looks pretty good. Oh, really? See, I hadn't caught a whiff of that yet. Uh, well, uh, look, um, look out for it. <laughs> I did think because the Braves, where they're at, they could trade one of them to get a piece that can maybe push them over the top this year. But you're right, you know, we don't see these top-end guys. A team like the Dodgers, they're not going to trade Lux. That speaks to you know, how they value these guys. They had a real chance at a World Series ring last year, and they just said, no, Lux is off the table. These guys aren't quite to that point, but... Uh, you're right that we just don't see that as often. Andrew Vaughn, he was a one dollar ad in Labor by uh, Brett Sayer. I liked, I kind of like that. Although I'm, I don't know, I don't see the path for him coming up this year. But the team could be better than a lot of people think. Yeah, I mean, I think Vaughn could be ready in July, and so if if Jose Abreu or Edwin Encarnacion are like seriously hurt. I think it could totally happen, but I think it probably requires one of those two to be hurt because I don't see Abreu or Encarnacion struggling to the point that you'd want to replace them, and those are the only two places where Vaughn can play. So it, it really does require an injury to one of those two, I think. And those guys have been pretty healthy, but they're you know, both getting up there in age, so you never know. Not really a guy I considered, um, but that was kind of sneaky by Brett Sayer. Tier 6, relievers and likely relievers. James Karinchak leads this off. And I really liked Emmanuel Classe, but he's now hurt for a couple months. So I really like Karinchak as maybe one of the top top skills spec stashes in the game. Yeah, I uh, removed Classe completely from this tier just because you shouldn't be rostering any reliever who's uh, not only kind of second or third in line for saves but is going to miss two plus months uh hate of, to see it i love kind of scary love yeah. that game. Uh, you know karinchek went about around ahead of where i took uh i ended up taking drew pomerantz and tgfbi as just a strikeout zra whip guy i know he's not getting saves uh karinchek probably more likely to get saves than pomerantz but uh, I would just throw that name out there. If you if you miss on Karinchak, I mean, he's the more hyped guy. He's the prospect, everything like that. But if all you're looking is just for a guy who's going to miss a ton of bats and, and really help your ratios, I think Pomerantz is a, is a guy to keep in mind. And he probably throws more innings this year than Karinchak. I saw Hunter Harvey went in the Tout Mixed League. Uh, I think that was 15 teams. I was surprised to see it. But do you think he works his way into, say, 10 to 15 saves? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's no, just. Sure. I mean, who who cares who's saving games for the yeah. Orioles? Like it's just such a uh, such a terrible situation to try to find saves. I think I, I I was looking at who saved games for them last year. They had something like I don't know twenty four saves split across seven different guys. It's just like a big. Who cares? It's. Uh, there, there would be nothing more frustrating than to try to actually extract saves from one of those relievers because every single week you're going to be like, well, he didn't get many saves last week. Should I keep him in there? And then as soon as you take him out, he might get a save or two. And I just, I don't want to play that game. Uh, you know, there's the, the other guys I mentioned here, uh, Brian Abreu, I think is just absolutely nasty. Uh, but he's kind of in that Karinchik, uh mold where, 
you, you can't really expect saves, at least not anytime soon. He's he's probably third up at best if, if saves opened up in that bullpen with the Astros. And then uh, D.V. Garcia, I, I think he's going to end up as a reliever eventually, but the injuries in that rotation make him a little bit more interesting than he was about a month ago. And then Bruce Dargraderall, another guy where – I think it's it's pretty clear that he's going to be a reliever at some point, uh, but he's also uh, probably third up at best in terms of saves in that bullpen. Yeah, Brian Abreu, we talked about him in, during the AL West rundown, and you're not, you're not buying into him as a big league starter down the line, but, man, what a, what potential as a reliever. The, the numbers last year averaging 95 and a 19.2% swing strike rate for Abreu. Uh, I I feel like he's kind of in that Tyler Duffy mold in an only league where just get maybe 80 Ks if you're lucky and really good ratios. Uh, James, with a lot of names. We're not going to get to all of them. But tier seven deep league pitchers, anybody you want to shout out from this tier? Yeah, I'll just do one guy and we can move on to the, the hip-hop draft. Uh, Patrick Sandoval was a really tough guy for me to slot in this article because – He's absolutely mixed league relevant right now, especially just given the injuries they've had in that uh, rotation. But he didn't really fit in terms of just caliber of prospect in that well, – well, he's not even a watch list guy, right? So he doesn't fit in the watch list here. Uh, was not really quite in that caliber of, of Mitch Keller, Jose Urquidy, so I, I bumped him down. But Patrick Sandoval, absolutely a, a guy who, who should have gotten in all the, the TGFBI leagues. Uh, I think he's – uh, really kind of a, a, a poor man's Mitch Keller maybe in that I expect strikeouts, but I expect the ratios to, to not be all that great. There's a chance they could be good with either of those guys. Keller gets the edge in that he's in the National League, but Sandoval's on the better team. So I think Sandoval is a, a pretty nice consolation prize if you miss out on those pitchers we were talking about earlier in the show. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I saw somebody talking about him uh, is it the changeup that's really good? Yep, yeah. he's got a really nice changeup. He's also got change uh, high spin breaking ball. I mean, he, there's a lot to work with there. There's a reason why he misses those bats, and he's got a pretty deceptive delivery. It's just uh, can he throw enough strikes? Very interesting. Well, check out the full article, and again, just bookmark this page because you're going to want to check back, see how these guys stack up against one another at later points in the year. Probably save you some time on Sundays. We're about to lose our Sundays for a good six months. This may save you a little bit of time. Um, James, you are up. You're on the clock in our hip-hop draft. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting you to go one way. I'm expecting you to go another way. Who's your pick? Man, this is this is really tough. I was telling you off-air that I, I went out and sort of made a, a hypothetical roster here of all my sort of targets in, in all these uh, different uh, positions. Um, I already have one East Coast spot filled in, in Ghostface. I already have uh, Biggie locking up my 1990s spot. I think I'm going to fill one of my lyricist spots. Oh, very, no. very. You're going to snipe me again. A very vague position, but uh, this guy certainly fits the bill. I'm going to go with Rakim. Dude, you snipe me twice in three rounds. That's crazy. I was going to put Rakim into a 1980s slot just because I was born in 88. Don't have a ton of favorites from that era. People are going to hear I was born in 88 and be like, what the hell? I thought this was Wilford Brimley talking. But, um, yeah, good pick, and I respect it. I think I'm going to go with Pac. 
Oh, okay. I didn't really want to. Never a big pot guy, but I feel like you know I've kind of lost in the court of public opinion through two rounds. I need to, <laughs> I need to get back on the general public's good side. I feel like. Yeah. I, so the reason I put Rakim into the lyricist spot and not the '80s spot is my favorite album of Eric B and Rakim is actually "Don't Sweat the Technique," and that came out in the '90s. So it would have felt a little weird to put him in the '80s spot for me, even though that's that's when the the classic uh, "Paid in Full" did come out. Um, you know, Pac, I, I you know he would have been selected by me at some point. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that you uh, took him where you did, just so that he did come off the board in a respectful uh, slot. I think that that's that's deserved. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, Rakim is when I think lyricist, I think Rakim first and foremost, and uh, definitely probably before some people's time. I, I like me, I I had to go back and, and check him out. It's not like I was listening to his stuff on the radio when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of good stuff. Uh, late '80s, early '90s. Uh, I think the song I'm gonna request that Andrew puts on the playlist is "Know the Ledge" off of that uh, "Don't Sweat the Te- Technique" album. Uh, really good track. Lots of good songs on that album. A lot of good songs back from uh, their previous records. And I'm just excited that I was able to snipe you twice so far through three rounds. Man, I did not expect you to go rock him. I. Paid in Full is one of my favorite albums of all time, and yeah, I've, I was about 20 years too late on it, but once I found it and followed the leader, is incredible too. Uh, Eric B. for president. Eric B. probably not going to get picked, but he <laughs> could he could fill a, a producer he spot. He I could. mean, he probably deserves to go, but I don't know. Great stuff. Okay. Now you got to pick your yeah, pox on. I want to go with like some hidden gems more so than the, the ones everybody knows, but you may have to help me. What was the pox song that was like, Thug's Mansion or something, something Mansion. Oh, I think it. I think it is Thug. Uh, Thug's, Thug's Mansion. mansion. Um, that was a post. Uh, yeah, that was long post. Um, the, uh, Thug's Mansion. Yep, with a with a Z for Andy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that song quite a bit. Um, Dear Mama's great. I love that one too. But I, I like to you know like with the Ray song. Go a little off the off the map a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would have, I would have thought you'd have gone something from like the the death row heyday or something oh, yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, not only I like to keep people on their toes off the beaten path, but uh, post post mortem. And Andrew, if you would please add um, "Rich in Black" by Raekwon featuring Nas, just to have a track from my first two picks. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks to Andrew Redding for. Making the Spotify playlist and maintaining it. You can check it out for yourself. Uh, we've retweeted it. You can also check out the big board, which James has. Uh, not the big board, I guess, but just the results of this hip-hop draft. Uh, you were kind enough to create a Google Sheet, and you have uh, tweeted that out so you can follow along. We'll catch you guys next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.